Welcome to Changing Academic Life. I'm Geraldine Fitzpatrick, and this is a bite-sized related work podcast where we pick up on a single idea from literature and experience that may provide some insights or tips that will help us change academic life for the better. One of the unexpected pleasures for me this year was not having any travel, and that meant weekends at home where I could catch up on some reading. One of the books that was on my list forever was a classic book from 1946 called Man's Search for Meaning. It was written by Viktor Frankl, who's an Austrian neurologist, psychiatrist, philosopher, and what he talks about in this book, also a Holocaust survivor, and he, he reports here about his experiences in the concentration camps. And it's really quite harrowing and horrific, yet also at the same time amazingly uplifting. As you can hear in a couple of these quotes, I'd love to share with you from the book. So he, he says, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. And there are always choices to make. And then towards the end of the book, he also says something really interesting where he says, when we're no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And I mention this because as I record this, we're in the middle of January and many, many countries are in the middle of escalating numbers of cases and deaths with the COVID-19 pandemic and dealing with ongoing restrictions and lockdowns. And this is certainly the case in Austria, Vienna, um, where my uh, home is located and where Viktor Frankl lived, actually. And even though I'm not there at the moment, um, just checking in with people last week. So I was really surprised when I checked in with the students in my master's class over Zoom about how they were going. And I I did the same thing with the people in my group at the beginning of our group meeting last week. And I just asked for everyone to give a bit of a thumbs up or thumbs down or whatever. What was so surprising to me was that the majority of people gave a thumbs up. And this is in the middle of all this hardship and difficulty. They gave a thumbs up. So there were a couple of sort of so-so thumbs, but I didn't actually see anyone with a thumb down. I remember asking similar questions some months ago to similar groups, same groups, and it was quite a different response then. I find this really fascinating because I, I know that while everyone wouldn't necessarily answer the same, it's interesting that in some ways even though the external situation seems to be so much worse than a few months ago, somehow in the middle of all this, despite the uncertainties and the increasingly ongoing difficulties and challenges and stress, it seems like some people are working out how to adapt and get on. And this starts to reflect, I think, what Frankel was talking to that there are things in a situation that we can control, that there can be choices where we do have some agency in how we interpret and respond to it. And I, I know it's a complex issue and there are lots of factors going on and different people will have very different experiences as well. And also that tomorrow the answer to that question may be quite different. But nonetheless, it does seem to reflect a trend. 
And I see this also connecting to the idea of resilience that the psychology literature talks about, where resilience is defined as this capacity to bounce back from adversity or stress. And that seems to be what's happening here. But I also think there's something more going on as well, because in other conversations, I've been hearing lots of different hints from people about not just bouncing back, but they're actually finding that some good is coming from it despite the circumstances. Now, of course, I know it would be much nicer to have the good come from it or to have lessons learned without the pain of having to go through all this and without the stress and the challenges. But at the same time, it is these stress and challenges that have somehow become the stimulus for being able to respond in a way that's that's about positive change and growth. And so this connects to another concept in the literature that's called post-traumatic growth. This, this was first named uh, as such by Tadeshi and Calhoun in 2004, and they talk about post-traumatic growth as a positive change that's experienced as a result of struggle, struggling with really highly challenging, difficult, difficult situations. Uh, post-traumatic growth is often talked about uh, along with post-traumatic stress in, in, in response to very serious traumatic situations such as war experiences and indeed Viktor Frankl's story is a classic example of what we could label post hoc as um, an example of post-traumatic growth. And it goes back to what Frankl said about making choices and, and having control of what we can control. Now, I know that there is some debate in the literature around the concept of post-traumatic growth and the extent to which it's a real phenomenon or not, since it's it's only ever been identified in terms of self-reports and self-perceptions of growth rather than any objectively identified real growth. But nonetheless, there's certainly a trend in the reporting in the literature of the self-perceptions that reports common patterns of things happening like developing deeper relationships becoming much more open to new possibilities, having a greater sense of your own personal strengths and how you might use those strengths more, having a stronger sense of spirituality in the existentialist sense or you know, in, the, in the sense of meaning of life, and also just fundamentally having a much greater appreciation of life. And I know from my own experience and from talking to others um, I can see similar things about appreciating more about what's important and getting different senses of perspective and priority. And even though my experiences have been so much easier in many ways compared to people in other countries, I know that the circumstances over the last year have really helped me slow down and it's been a circuit breaker for lots of the choices that I was not making or all the choices that I was making by default just by rocking along that I wasn't really taking control of, that I'm going to be much more reflective about moving forward. And I hear that from other people as well about finding out during this time what's important and connecting to themselves and to others in new ways. So how do we get on this growth path then? One of the first things is actually facing the pain and the stress. And in fact, this is a really critically important and unavoidable first step. 
Our first tendency, though, is often to do things like wanting to run away or avoid thinking about it or really negatively ruminating on it over and over again or trying to brush off the stress and ignore it or withdrawing and isolating ourselves or playing it out through inappropriate emotional responses like getting angry or blaming others. You know, all these are examples of various maladaptive coping strategies. A much more adaptive response, though, is to, is to face it, really genuinely recognizing for yourself that these are difficult times, and that's where we're at right now. This also connects to some self-compassion research, but we can talk about that at another time. So it's about acknowledging for ourselves that these are really tough times. Um, sometimes we just need to stay with that stress and in the feeling and allow ourselves a space and time to grieve about it because there is a grief involved, isn't it? There are losses and costs. But doing so with a greater awareness and acceptance of what's going on there and also a curiosity to explore it. And then the next step involves engaging in quite deliberate reflection and giving attention to really thinking about the experiences that we've been going through. And then, you know, arising from the curiosity, thinking about, you know, what questions are being raised for you and thinking about what you've learned. Everyone will have their own particular ways of doing that. An example of one practice that many people advocate is journaling. So you could reflect on some last period of time, say the last year or since the pandemic began and write down experiences that stand out for you that you've that have been important for you in some way and make a summary note about them just to remind yourself and then think about how you've grown from those experiences, what you've learned, what sort of person you are now compared to what you were then. Also writing down and reflecting on what has ended, like what are you letting go? What are you not going back to? What are you leaving behind? What of the previous madness of life? Are you not going to pick up again? And this is all in the sense of reprioritizing and thinking across all of these reflections about what it says to you, about what really matters, what's important, what brings you joy, what brings you meaning, what are you grateful for? Now, this is talking about growth work at a personal level. And we can also talk about it at a collective level and do it collectively. And for this part of the growth journey, and also just even for our own personal growth journey, social connectivity is so important. Shelley Taylor talks about social connection as a response to stress, as tend and befriend. And she adds that to some of what we more commonly think of as the responses to stress, which are fight, flight, or freeze. So she adds tend and befriend. And she explains it all in terms of the oxytocin hormone and, um, and, and points to, you know, that it normally comes about in particular situations where we don't have an immediate in our face stress trigger like the lion or the tiger just about to attack us but something that's more ongoing and pervasive, like, like what we have in the current situation with the pandemic. And that the response, instead of fight or flight, is a response to connect and care, tend and befriend. So 
So this highlights social connection as another really important part of moving onto this growth path. And I think we're seeing some really great examples of tend and befriend in all sorts of wonderful ways, in the way that people are caring for one another, looking out for one another, checking in on one another, sharing ideas, sharing experiences, sharing teaching materials, running webinars to help explore new ways of working in these times, neighbours doing things for one another, colleagues helping each other out and inspiring each other as well. So there are lots of ways that reconnecting with the social becomes an important part of this path and it reinforces also the importance of the language that we, we need to get away from talking about physical distancing um, and talk about uh, socially distancing, sorry, and talk about physical distancing and socially connecting. And just like we talked about growth at the, the personal and the collective level, we can also talk about it at sort of bigger levels of, you know, the organization and peer communities as well. And we can all think about ways in which our faculties have very quickly adapted and developed to better enable people to work from home, for example, or to support, support remote teaching. Um, and these are many of these are changes that may well persist, uh, you know, in the years coming ahead. And also we can see the ways in which our peer communities are starting to radically rethink the whole conference model. So this notion of growth as a response in the face of, or indeed in spite of, and as a result of going through stressful times can happen at multiple levels. And it points overall to the shift from reacting to adapting, you know, the bouncing back, um, and then to responding and growing and moving forward. And these stages will all involve varying degrees of awareness and reflection on our part, and also a lot of creativity to explore new options and possibilities and, and create the changes, and some level of motivation and commitment to stick with it. As I said before as well, I, I don't want to ignore the fact that this has been hard and continues to be hard for very many people. And I also want to recognize and remind myself, though, at the same time, that there can be possibilities, not just for bouncing back and adapting, but also for growing and learning and changing. And it's how we interpret and respond to it. You know, just to, to bring in some of the Frankel quotes again, you know, when we're no longer able to change a situation, we're challenged to change ourselves and we always have choices to make. So if this is all something that connects for you, how are you moving forward on this opportunity path despite or in uh, the pain and the stress and challenges? My hope particularly for us as academics is that we can keep academia better in perspective and really connect to what's important, to prioritise looking after ourselves, looking after each other and being connected to our peer communities, our families, our friends. Because these are all the things that will go to making us better researchers, better educators, better mentors, better collaborators. And I'd just like to finish off and paraphrase something that Steve Taylor, a psychologist, wrote in a blog for Scientific American and rephrase this as a collective wish that in the midst of the suffering and the challenge of our present predicament, may we develop a heightened sense of appreciation, more authentic relationships, 
and a new sense of resilience and confidence. May we slow down and learn to live in the present rather than filling our lives with incessant activity and constantly rushing into the future. I really do believe this is a unique opportunity for us and it depends on the choices that we make. You can find the summary notes and related links for this podcast on www.changingacademiclife.com. You can also subscribe to Changing Academic Life on iTunes and on Stitcher, and you can follow Change Acad Life on Twitter. And if something connected with you, please consider sharing this podcast with your colleagues or discussing the ideas together so that we can widen the conversation about how we can do academia differently.